0: Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Chris Delano. And I'm Carrie Thomas. It's just us two this week, the only two good members of the cast. Don't tell anyone else I said this, and if anybody else is listening, don't listen to this part. But you know we're the only good two ones, you know. The
1: the fun thing about it is that I pretty much know for a fact that no one else on the cast will listen to this recording (laughs) unless someone tells them to. So
0: we can just say whatever we want about them. Now is the time for our us to vent our feelings about Jay. And, you know, I don't have a bad thing to say. About <laughs> I was trying to think of an Italian joke, but nah, nah we yeah. can't even go for that.
1: Well, um, yeah, it's just us this week. Uh, it is the end of the month. It is a stressful time for Brian at work. So lots going on there. Jay is still a coward. Uh, and refuses to discuss any magic story, which is really weird as a co-host on a magic story podcast. And um, Lorelai is on a little vacation, so just us, Uh, which means that I don't have any news for this week because
0: I don't pay attention to anything in magic. I have important news for this week, and it is that let me open up my calendar, this is airing on October 4th. You have until October thirty first to finish your playthroughs of Magic Legends before the servers go offline. So you have less than a month to go. Hop into Magic Legends, get up to date on that story. It's assured to be relevant and remembered for all of time. I actually went on story was really good. Actually, (laughs) I actually went on the wiki this past weekend because I was looking for Planeswalker characters, and I saw that they had added in um, Vash vrash i can't remember the character's name from the Mm. magic magic legends game which i believe the name was only revealed after the fact and then um the traveler i think is what they labeled the player character but we are canonically in the magic wiki now (laughs) as the traveler as a planeswalker i don't necessarily agree with that but i think it's very very funny because you are a planeswalker and you have a page (laughs) now
1: it's finally happened you are a planeswalker (laughs) isn't the traveler like a really important uh part of destiny lore the the traveler
0: (laughs) is uh deity level character in destiny lore which is why i thought it was funny but also because i looked at that and i thought do they mean the wanderer did somebody like rename the wanderer and then i clicked on it and no we just got the wanderer and the traveler i imagine we'll get like the drifter the walker like (laughs) whatever other names you want to give us the
1: itinerant vagrant um just whatever yeah i uh no i actually like unironically thought the magic legend story was really cool and uh kind of sucks that that just ended so
0: yeah oh well but it is a reminder if you do want to play through the story you do have that limited amount of time otherwise stick to playthroughs on youtube you'll you'll get all the beats you need or somebody wrote it up on the wiki somewhere so
1: I'm trying to remember if any parts of that like game required you to play with other people, because I'm just imagining you like towards the end of the story, and it's like October thirtieth or whatever, and you go in to do like, oh, I've got to do this little like dungeon, but you can't do it because there's only one player in the game, and it's you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there's not. There's no two people who. Can I think there's like. I think there's like cooperative public events or something. I I barely remember most of the stuff and i think it was on innestrad that i encountered something like that in the open world but also like i could have been misremembering and that's part of the story i think like you oh, have well. to fight noyan
1: dar and you like go into a dungeon type thing to fight him yeah. and i'm like pretty sure you can't go in without two other players so <laughs> well yeah I'm, I'm they may have like ai or something i don't know but uh anyways yeah the magic legend story i thought it was pretty cool and it's uh, good luck if you're trying to play it and you're the only person in the whole world uh it's very likely <laughs> uh this week on the podcast we are discussing episode three of the main story for magic the gathering midnight hunt and the third side story uh his eyes all of them uh they are very good and uh, we're going to spoil the heck out of them. And both of them are kind of like mysteries. So, like, if you really don't like spoilers, you really don't want to listen to, like, this episode. Uh, you can come back and listen to it after you've read the stories. But, uh, yeah, I guess I can go ahead and get us started on episode three, The Fall of the House of Betzold by K. Arseno Rivera, who is writing all of the main story. Uh, let's see. So, last we left off, uh, our crew had been summoned and gathered, and we had... Uh, the little planeswalker gate watch going on with Arlen and Teferi and Kaya and Chandra. uh, And also Adeline, who is like a Cathar, um, who Chandra was like a little flummoxed by because Adeline is very pretty. Um, They uh, all gathered together and they were like, hey, we have to go get the Moon Silver Key. It's like definitely in Thraben. Let's just go to Thraben. It'll be fine. It's safe. Uh, The Thraben is not fine or safe. Thraben is filled with undead because turns out, uh, after all the events of Eldritch Moon, uh, Liliana just left her zombie army in Thraben and planes walked away. And so it's just a bunch of mindless zombies that have no um, guiding voice or anything. Uh, the whole city just overrun with them. They, uh, uh, Liliana apparently... Someone asked Liliana what to do with all the zombies before she left. And she said, uh, they have plenty of uses, you know, try thinking creatively, which is the exact thing you say to someone when you just like re-gifted them something you really do not want. So Yeah,
0: it's also like, I don't know, the Eldrazi don't survive that long without their host. So you kind of like figure, okay, they're probably going to die out or be hunted away. But the zombies, like, I don't know. That's just a major inconvenience more than an actual (laughs) issue. So I'm like...
1: I'm like the imagine that these zombies are like trying to eat people, like they try and kill the planeswalkers and Adeline as they're like going through town, but also like they seem pretty easy to handle. Yeah. Um, it's uh
0: it's uh Sean of the Dead zombies, not walking dead zombies.
1: Sean <laughs> of the Dead really is what this is. They're, yes. they're breaking yeah. into the, the pub. Um but uh Kaya goes off and makes a clue token, uh meaning she investigates. Uh, 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 that is a pun I'm going to slip into everything we talk about. Uh, but she goes off and she investigates and she finds a book that mentions the Moon Silver Key and that it was in possession of the Betzold family. And Arlen's like, Hey, I remember uh, a priest or whatever they are called. Um, his name was, uh, Warren Betzold and he was a big time guy and also kind of mean, uh, Sounds like he was like a very strict school teacher slash priest leader person. Uh, Arlen did not seem to have super fond memories of him, except for the fact that he was, you know, very steadfast and and a good priest and only ever spoke of his personal life to say that he grew up in like a small town near in Gaveney. And that's it. Uh, So uh, then we get some flirting between Chandra and Adeline. It's very cute. It happens throughout the whole story. I love it. I think these are a fun pair of characters to have uh paired up they've got Adeline who's very like gallant and very much like a soldier and Chandra who's just like a ball of fire and impulses and uh, they team up together to get everyone through uh Thraben by Adeline sort of like leading the charge of Cathars who are pushing their way through the zombies and Chandra following up behind and just creating a wall of fire um there's, there's a great line where uh we, we're seeing from Arlen's point of view, and she says that Adeline chances a look over her shoulder as Chandra bathes him in orange light at the pyromancer in the very heart of her element, surrounded by life-saving destruction. Arlen doesn't know what Adeline's thinking. And I, like, broke off right there when I was reading it, because I was like, I know exactly what Adeline's thinking, and I'm thinking the same exact thing right now. <laughs> like, love Chandra when she's doing her thing. Um, they make their way through uh, Threebin, make it to the cathedral. Uh, where Warren Betzold is a zombie. Uh, of course he is. Uh, and since he was so strict and straight-laced in life, he is still giving a sermon. Like, he's he's standing in the cathedral preaching to a pew, like, just a pews full of zombies. Uh, so they fight their way through the crowd. Uh, Arlen gets her way up to uh, Warren, who, despite being a zombie, still has, like, some bit of himself in there. And she coaxes just one word out of him, and it's just a name, and it's Dinnick. Uh, if you've looked at the card set, you know uh, that Dinik is a character, legendary creature, so that's cool. Um, they realize that, like, they're not going to get anything from uh, Mr. Warren, so Arlen snaps his neck, ends that zombie. And uh, they decide, hey, let's go check out the Betzold place. You know, if they had a family home, uh, that's probably where the key is. So they head to that little town in Gavany, and we get, like, a really cool little world-building tidbit as they're walking through Um Marlon is sort of commenting uh, internally about the way that Inastrad has recovered from the travails, and uh, she says that some people carry their scars inside of them, uh, some people are just going about their lives, and some people are clutching prosth- prosthesis to replace the limbs that they lost. And it's um, it, it sort of like gives us an idea that like Inastrad was heavily affected by the travails and has recovered. They <laughs> they are pushing through, and that's kind of the theme of this story is. All of these terrible things happen to Innistrad, but the people keep just keep living, just keep going. Um, But they make their way to the Betzold Manor, uh, and it is super haunted, like mega-level haunted, tons of ghosts. So uh, Kaya just goes inside. Uh, Also, they found out when talking to a villager that Dinik is the name of uh, Warren's son. Apparently, he had an illegitimate child um, named Dinik that Arlen just learned about. So they uh, they go into the manor. Kaya does some ghost busting. She like kind of goes around and takes out all the specters. Uh, they follow her upstairs where they find a body that has been long ago died under some like rumble of some sort. It's like not rumble, rubble, excuse me, <laughs> under some rubble of some sort. It's been like, you know, collapsed the house. Part of the house collapsed on this person and killed them. Uh, and also there's the ghost there of Denik, who is just kind of like hoping that these people were here to hang out with him. It's really sad. Like he he's hoping it's a social call. Uh, they bring up that they met his father and he gets really excited because it's his dad. And they're like, he's dead. And he goes, well, that sucks, but it's in Um, <laughs> Makes sense. I don't think anyone there really responds to people being dead the kind of way that we do. Uh, I mean, they're talking to a ghost anyways. So uh they talk to Dinnick a bit, and he's like, yeah, no, I looked for that key. Uh, it's not here. Uh, turns out my like, great-grandfather gave it to a vampire for safekeeping. Who would have thunk? Who would have done that? Um, so they're like, oh, of course, it's at the Markov Manor, because those are the only vampires that would have been trusted with something like this. Uh, so they say their thanks to Dinnick, and Arlen hangs out for a little while and listens to him talk, because all Dinick wants to do is be heard.
0: He's legit, like, the best character in the entire story so far. He's just like, I don't know, like the absolute, not most pitiful, but like you you genuinely feel the most bad for him because it's like, oh, his father kind of treated him like shit and he's just like here and obviously died here in the house and is now a ghost and now has nothing to do. And it's just like you are forced into this kid's life for like 10 seconds to ask where he is and he's just clinging on to any kind of, any kind of normalcy he can possibly have.
1: Yeah, it's like the we know the story of Denik. He like uh, he wanted to become a Cathar. He was an apprentice, and then he got sent here during the travails by Warren to protect him, I suppose, uh, which ended up sending him to his death. But I guess like better than having been in Thraeben. Um, so
0: there we yeah. go. That's that's one point against me reading nothing but the main storylines <laughs> because I did not. I did not get to the the legendary creatures of uh, mm-hmm. Innistrad quite yet. So, well, Denek is
1: uh he's a sad character. He's got his card where he's you know a pious apprentice on the front half and then pious apparition on the back half. Um, but yeah, he he hangs out with Arlen for a little while and she listens before they head out because the next place they have to go is Markov Manor and it starts off with uh, Innistrad rebuilds even the vampires. So they um, make their way to what we know was an absolutely ruined Markov Manor. Uh, they found it in quite a bit of disarray. Uh, as they sort of reached outside the gates, they found a uh, broken halves of an Abyssinian symbol, which I'm assuming is the Collar of Avicen. you know, the symbol of her church. Oh, um, I must the-
0: have hated that.
1: <laughs> well, she puts it back together, so she reverse ancient grudges the <laughs> Avicynian symbol. Is uh, that a card in the set? No. Reverse ancient card. She just gets. To- well, there's, there's like faithless looting and then faithful restoration. So I guess this is a faithful restoration. There you go. Um, so she she puts it back together uh, with some you know bits of work, uh, and then she she says starts saying a prayer to an angel, and as she's saying this prayer, everyone else in the group starts joining in. Adeline, of course, is the first one because she's still a Cathar. Uh, to fairy joins in because. You know of course he would he's just a good guy uh chandra joins in stumbling over her words and then even kaya says this prayer which kaya is not who i would call very reverent or religious um <laughs> so i thought that was fun uh but they say this prayer and they they smile to each other and they head into the manor and uh no one asks her why she prays to an angel who can no longer hear her which is a little bit of sad but also foreshadowing because they get into Markov Manor and it's like totally beat up and they see on the outside that there's like a piece of wall which has like a dent in it. And like a bunch of stone has been twisted into what look like some some teeth going into it or daggers going into it. And like there's blood everywhere and gouges in the stone as if something has chewed its way out of the wall. Um, we know what that is. Uh, that is uh, where Soren Markov <laughs> was left by Nahiri. And apparently chewed his way out of the wall. He literally was chewing the scenery. Um,
0: you, you do what you got to do. So
1: uh, they go into the manor and it's just completely empty. And they're like, oh, well, I guess no one's home. And they're like, no, Markov, Soren has to be home. Uh, so they head to the throne room where, of course, Soren is just sitting in a chair reading a book. And he doesn't even acknowledge them until they they get into the room And he says, state your purpose for disturbing me now, or I shall see all of you out. Uh, Teferi tries to reason with him. And he says, we'll keep it brief. And Soren says, I know better than to put any faith in your definition of brief. The reason now. I love Soren's character in this. He's just very dismissive, very haughty, very much a tired man who chewed himself out of a wall, who doesn't want to deal with any of this anymore. Um, Teferi mentions the Moonsilver Key, and Soren just says no. And they try to reason with Soren. And he says... uh, he has given everything he sacrificed so much for this plane already uh and if his family which he puts you know i feel like he air quotes family there uh so wishes to descend into the worthless hedonism of eternal night that i have done enough to stop them let them feast he does not want to help them uh teferi tries to reason again he says no arlen tries to reason with him he says no Arlen mentions Avison and he snaps. He pulls his sword. He almost hits her. He just absolutely goes off on Arlen. He starts shouting at them. Arlen refuses to leave until she has the key. She says, uh, have you already forgotten why you made her? We need angels. We need hope. We need faith. And then uh, as he's about to strike her with his sword once more, a, uh, a heron staff gets in the way. And it turns out uh Sagarda has arrived because uh Avison may no longer hear prayers, but Sagarda does. And so Sagarda shows up, uh, not just to save the group, but also to have some words with Soren Markov. Um, she says, How far you've fallen, c- carving your way out of the stone only to sulk. Um, which makes sense for Soren is just gonna s- sulk all the time. Uh so she she tells Arlen Cord where the moonsilver key is, because somehow she knows that it's in Soren's personal chambers on the third floor. Uh, and they need to go fetch the key while she speaks to him about his old creation. Now this line got to me because immediately I assumed he she meant Avison, but Sigarda might have another question because he also created the Hell Vault. And so I'm wondering if she wants information on the creation of the Hell Vault and not just the creation of Avison, but uh we don't know because they just start fighting because Soren uh, is the kind of guy to fight an angel, which is just very funny to me because you have on one side of this fight, essentially the head of all religion on Enestrad versus an ancient vampire progenitor of so much of the vampires on Innistrad. Um, Like these are two mythical characters, two mythical people on the plane of Innistrad who are just like in a little slap fight. Um, so while they're fighting, the rest of the crew runs up to Soren's bedchamber or personal chamber, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and they um, they find the moon silver Key and it's sitting in the hands of a uh, small statue of Avison, who has had her head cut off. Um, which also brings up some implications here because Avison was created after Soren was a vampire. So he created Avison and then also had a statue made of her to put in his personal chambers in Markov Manor. And like none of the vampires thought that was weird. I guess they did, but like, I don't know. It's just very weird to me that he would just have an, a statue of Avacyn, um in his personal chambers.
0: That's something I will just ignore and not think about, <laughs> not think about uh, how other people felt or when exactly it was brought there. Because knowing him, he could have just dragged it in off the street and then beheaded it in front of <laughs> his bench <laughs> for, is- for a little bit of drama.
1: Well, yeah, I I just think part of me wants to think that, like, he was so proud of his achievement of making Avacyn that he had the statue made and only cut off the head whenever he uh, could no longer bear to look at her after he unmade her. Um, It's also
0: like we know that he was banished from Markov Manor by his grandfather at some point in the past. So, like, it's possible they were chill with it under some circumstances and then, like became entirely unchill with it later on and um, not saying they beheaded it but they kicked him out mm-hmm. and just left whatever his belongings were there yeah there's
1: um, there's implications but not like major ones like it's not really affecting the story it was just something I noticed and thought about um, I did not even think
0: about that so that's <laughs> that's very interesting to me
1: but um, uh, yeah then they get the key and that's like the end of the story um, Arlen prays for Sigarda. Which is funny, because she's praying to Sigarda for Sigarda's safety. Um, and uh, that's uh, that's it. They have the key. Congratulations. They've solved all the problems on Innistrad. Uh, end of the Midnight Hunt story. We're good. Well, I imagine
0: it'll just be like a plug and play situation where they get to put the key in. Yeah, and six fixes everything.
1: There's two more episodes about how everything goes perfectly fine, I'm sure. That's um, awesome. I have, I have not wait. read
0: ahead. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Okay, I'll cheat and say that I did read ahead for Story 5. I have not read Story 4 yet, so I'm an entire bastard in that regard. But uh, yeah, I wrote ahead for Story 5 because that did come out the week we are recording this. And uh, very, very tantalizing, you know? Yeah,
1: this uh, this episode felt to me like very much a third episode where a lot happened, but also the plot didn't really go forward, you know?
0: Yeah. Cause their objective is to get the key. They go to one guy to get the key who says, go to my son. They go to the son to get the key. The son says, my grandfather gave that key away. They go to the grandfather, the, the person, the grandfather gave the key away to, and, uh, end up getting the key eventually. But it is like a 10 out of 10 story in my book because it has Soren Markov. It has the shittiest character in magic history, Like, I don't don't know if Soren's actually above Urza or anyone else. I just think he's, like, such... He evokes such emotion from me whenever written this way. And just knowing that he was, like, okay, I'm chill with killing my angel because, like, otherwise, um, like, bad stuff's going to happen to my plane. And then ends up causing more bad stuff to happen to his plane. And then just, like, decides to do nothing but be a shithead about it for, like the next year <laughs> no, it he, is
1: he didn't want nahiri to fuck up his plane yeah he wanted to do it, it he yes. wanted
0: to be the reason why everything went bad but it's like soren is just like i don't i think he's a horrible character but i also think he's like one of the best written magic characters because you know exactly what he's going to do and like as much as you want him to change and like feel a little bit helpful, you know there's like everything in the story would need to go right for that to happen. And like, even in Khans of Tarkir block um, in the Khans of Tarkir set, more specifically, he finds Ugin's bones and then it's like, Oh, well, fuck. I hope the timeline rewrites itself. (laughs) so 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 that I feel a little bit luckier than this, but like, he was just ready to give up at a moment's notice. And like, that's just such a, continuing soren theme and like with magic story you don't always know if it's intentional or not but like just knowing that he was like okay we've gotten to the end of in the teeth of the coomb. i'm gonna heal this up and this is like actually i think they're gonna leave and he's like okay well i tried my best i'm out like (laughs) he is like he'll do the right thing eventually maybe or maybe make a half effort towards doing the right thing but it's just like such a struggle and it's like i want to choke you soren markov
1: (laughs) i really i really think his like key characteristic is that he does not want anyone else to ruin his life he wants to ruin his own
0: yes like
1: like he refuses to let anyone do anything mean to him because he wants to be mean to himself
0: I've said it before, if I could pick up a character to drop them in the gatewatch, it would be Soren. And it's not for anything other than like watching him torture himself over this. Like he doesn't get a choice to do this. He is assigned this responsibility and has to do it because I decided to put him in there. It is just like, I don't know. He's just such a good character to bully and watch him sulk and just the asshole of magic. Like, I love him. I love him and I hate him
1: i love him because of how much i hate him um yes. <laughs> I think he's, he's such a little edgelord such a little piece of garbage yes. and i, I love think he love could him be
0: so much i think he like falls very slightly outside of the stereotypical edgelord character that you'd get um i don't know there, there's a lot of comparisons i can make but yeah he's just unique enough to where it's like i know that if soren's in the story like I want him to have the worst time ever and he is going to make it so because that's how he is.
1: Yeah, I God, I hope we get more of him. I, I'm sure we're going to get more of him in Crimson Val yeah. because, yeah, you know, we've already kind of had that set up for us a little bit. But I uh, what a what a wonderful character to have in the story. Um, <laughs> just, he's I, I was going to say earlier, he like everything about Soren's character is like if Soren had a baby with Jace, it would be Flavor Text Jace. <laughs> like, that's that's who it is.
0: Don't give people any ideas now.
1: Oh, no, I'm sure I'll be reading that fic on, like, AO3 next week.
0: I, I do appreciate, and I know somebody in a server, I'm not sure if it was the Vorthos cast server or another magic server I'm in, had mentioned how it's nice to see, like, Nissa versus Nahiri as New Guard versus Old Guard, and... Arlen versus Soren as new guard versus old guard. And it's just like sometimes the old guards just shit. Like you see that enough times in life, you see that enough times in fandom alone. Like it's just just part of it. Sometimes you get to be a sour old bitter curmudgeon. And like you can try to fight against it. <laughs> but a lot of people go down that path.
1: I do like that uh they've sort of subverted the, like idea of like Oh, the old guard can impart some wisdom on the new guard. So, oh, no. No, the old guard in magic sucks. Like, they all yeah. suck, except for Teferi. Teferi is the only one who's worth anything anymore. Every other, like, ancient planeswalker is just awful.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, like, a good bar restriction limitation they've set on it. Um, like, a lot of the old guard planeswalkers that we see weren't created until after the mending and then retroactively decided to be pre-mending planeswalkers so it's like soren was created in in a shroud blocker and zendikar block but we knew that he was a pre-mending planeswalker very very soon after that um nahiri same way was one of the three jailers it is just like even if they were created after the fact they still have that entitlement of a god about them yeah
1: and then like there's there's also liliana but she's not as old (laughs) as the other ones So she kind of, she counts as like an old walker, um, pre-mending walker at least, but she doesn't, uh, she's not as old. She didn't quite get as divorced from reality.
0: And she's also like on somebody else's turf a lot of the time on estrad, had encountered Soren, just kind of minding her own business and trying to extend Mm -hmm. her own life rather than like protecting a plane.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then there's
0: Jaya and Jaya is wonderful. Um, The the, one note I did want to make is that I think, like, this story in particular did a good job of exploring all of the Eldrazi effect on Mm Innistrad and, like, what the aftermath of that was. And I think that's something, like... I know people wanted it from the uh, Zendikar Rising card set, and Mm -hmm. I'm assuming Zendikar Rising story as well, and it didn't get explored as much there. Um, I don't know. It's just, like, I think it was... Woven in there very very well in comparison to Zendikar Rising, where like there were references to it, but it wasn't like as heavy-handed as people wanted it to be. To be like a world recovering from the Eldrazi. this one feels like we are fresh off the bath, or this one feels like we are fresh off the path of Shadows over Innistrad and Eldritch Moon, and like Innistrad's just slow to rebuild. It will eventually rebuild, but it's very slow to get there just because of everything Innistrad oh. about it.
1: Uh, And we get we get a little reference to it in the side story we're going to talk about here in a second, too. But I do love seeing sort of like their their mentioning of like, hey, uh, all that Eldrazi stuff happened and like did affect people because I didn't really get a sense of that in some of the earlier stories where like they mention it and they like make mention of the travails. But like no one mentions the fact that like some people just had like random additional limbs grow out of their body or like had an arm turned to like a giant claw. And so like what I'm getting and assuming now is that like when they locked away Emrakul, most people like that fell away because they, she, the author mentions that there are people with prosthesis, um, prosthetic limbs. And I'm wondering if like maybe their limb turned into like a three tentacle mass or something. And then when, uh, you know, Emrakul got locked away, it just fell off. And now yeah. they're like sitting there without one. They're like, well, I don't even have an arm anymore, let alone three tentacles. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I'd like to know more about like what happened to these people. Yeah. Like is is Hanweir just still out there roaming the field somewhere? Like, are we going to get a Hanweir versus the the hostile in this set at some point? Um, we don't really know.
0: It. It's also like something where I could see one reference to it like this and story number three being like enough to satiate people but if you sprinkled in like one other reference to it people would go wild and be like why do they have to make this like the recovering from Eldrazi arc and it's like <laughs> I know people want it acknowledged but in the exact right tolerance that they want it acknowledged and it's like that's just going to differ from person to person so I think this is personally like a lot more fulfilling especially mm-hmm. rather than like seeing it a whole bunch of places on the cards to make it like it feels like a sequel to that
1: so yeah i'm so happy there's no Drowsy cards i would have been <laughs> i would have been a little disappointed even if there was like one card and i was like oh there's the last Eldrazi roam in the woods i been like oh please don't just, just yeah. not necessary um but yeah we have another side story to cover and that is uh uh his eyes all of them by margaret killjoy who is an absolute delight highly recommend checking out her uh other works uh she's a uh, author and also like a metal band musician. I don't know the exact word for what you would call a person who's a musician and a bunch of metal bands. Uh, so yeah, check her out. Um, and I uh, loved this story. Uh, it is kind of, I don't want to say a buddy cop story, <laughs> but it's a, a buddy story. They're not cops. Um, Rim kind of acts like a cop, but uh, yeah. Do you want to,
0: do you want to give us a rundown of what happens in his eyes, all of them? Yeah. So Vadric, um, known astronomer and Archmage. I think every astronomer on in Astrud has to legally be an Archmage as well, or maybe that's just part of the practice. But he's on his way to Lamholt, having departed from Nefalia, where he and his husband live. Um, he mentions Jenrik, who is another astronomer <laughs> Archmage. Um, I want to be 100% certain, but I believe Jenrik was Tamio's buddy from... Yep. Shadows over in a shroud block, yes. And prior, obviously, Avi'son restored, but we didn't really get a story for that. Uh, he got killed, so... Yeah, he did get killed. Uh, he was the famous bookholder for Antimio's <laughs> <his> journal <laughs> yeah. in that card art, um, but he is on his way to Lamholt, which is his husband Halen's hometown. Um, as he approaches the town, a guard fires his crossbow at him and misses, and he's like, hey what are you doing? And the guards like, Oh, I swear I saw something behind you. Um, Vedrick looks back and there's nothing there. Um, so he just continues on in the town and kind of dismisses it as he enters the town, a little bit of foreshadowing, uh, foreshadowing as the kids are singing their old stick finger. <laughs> 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 um, Vedrick enters the town hall and finds the crones and mothers who had originally summoned him there. Um, and he's also, Demanded to go retrieve drinks by Rem Carlos, who mistakes him for a servant, um, but quickly realizes that he's an Archmage and he's there to help. The women explain that they had summoned Fadric to help solve their problems, and that Rem Carlos Rem was summon, summoned by Dane Selvasi, uh, who is now <laughs> deceased, to old stick fingers. Uh, they're debating whether it's werewolves that are to blame but one lady feels very strongly that it is old stickfingers who is doing the killings and the oldest or the eldest woman explain the eldest woman explains that old stickfingers is real he is not just imaginary and that he is older than any of them know but nowadays he's just treated like a boogeyman um, and it's upon that realization that a man rushes in and announces that there has been a murder outside so they all exit the town hall, and they find three young men. One of them was a werewolf that has now transformed back into a human. Um, dead by sticks, they are. <laughs> they seem well, they to have been run through sticks. with. Yeah, they seem to have been run through with bolts or arrows. But of course, there's no arrows around, so uh, seems to be a, a very stick finger esque killing, if, if I do say so. Um, Rem commands <laughs> Vadric to take him to Old Stickfingers, and Vadric does not like being commanded to do things. Uh, so he annoyedly casts his twinkly spell to reveal the tracks of the men and the Old Stickfinger horror, but then uses up a little bit of extra magic to seal over Rem's mouth before telling the people not to follow them. It's um, so
1: funny, because it's just like,
0: you can imagine how mad Rem was. Yeah, they get off to a very, very bad start because um, Rem just wants to slaughter whatever's in the way, and Vadric is also there to help, but in more of a mystical, magical sense, trying to actually like dismiss whatever is there. Um, so they continue on their hunt into the woods, uh, following the trail that had been revealed by Vadric's spell. They see a stone house with a green light inside near where the trail ends, and they're confused. Uh, Rem asks Vadric to, like, make a magical light, and Rem er, Vadric just continues into the forest, and Rem's like, hey, thanks for the light. And Vadric's like, what light? <laughs> they look behind them, and then, of course, while they weren't looking, old Sticky's behind them.
1: He's um, right behind you.
0: <laughs> yeah, it seems to be a very... Uh, very stealthy figure for as horrifying and loud as he looks so he, <laughs> he old stick fingers attacks them um vedrick quickly throws up a magical shielding spell while rem stabs him um and as rem stabs old stick fingers through the gut moon silver light kind of spills out and uh old stick fingers screams old stick fingers is such a long name <laughs> <laughs> yes. He uh, screams very, very, very loud and uh, Vajric is kind of distracted and he has to like focus himself among all of this madness. And we get a kind of call back to him having to focus himself during the Aldrazi madness of the travails. And he eventually gets all of his focus together and casts an uh, ice bolt towards old stick fingers and it knocks him over right before he was able to successfully grab both rem carlos and Badric. Um, rem takes his sword and plunges it through old stick fingers skull and then old stick fingers disappears and yeah like they just kind of have to regroup and go back into town Vadric uh, um,
1: like importantly gets a little bit of stick fingers blood and puts it in a vial and then rem says uh, i don't think we killed it and yeah we surely did not <laughs> i'm like
0: these at least they're smart you know yeah. at least they're smart his blood's described as a mercury like liquid so it's very very thick and stick fingery <laughs> <laughs> they they end up returning to the town in the morning um they're in the town hall badrick meets Arinos' daughter Arinos um being one of the farmers who was killed by old stick fingers and his daughter, Ariosa, explains that her father had both his own superstitions and his debts. And his debts were to um, Dean Selvasi, um and were currently trying to be collected. Um, they Rem ultimately meets up with them in the town hall, and they agree to try Vadric's non-aggression <laughs> approach to dealing with old stick fingers um, and Vadric. Uh, decides that they should go to Selvasi Manor to investigate a little more. They arrive at the manor, find creepy messages written about, and uh, Vadric import- importantly, finds a little bit of black gopher on the ground and tucks it into his pocket. They, Vedrick's starting to get a little bit suspicious about who exactly had summoned old stick fingers here. So they head over to Arena's house before uh, Ariosa will get back. And there they find a little summoning trinket. Um, Rem asks him how exactly they're going to unsummon it. And Fedric's like, simple enough, pours a little bit of that blood he took from old stick fingers on the trinket and crushes it. And I think that's the end of the story. Everything goes perfectly fine from there on out because... Old Stickfingers is dismissed. They return to town to celebrate. They're triumphant. They're all buddy-buddy with each other. Um, They're just having a good time because Old Stickfingers, the threat, has been unsummoned. Uh, And just as that's happening, the bell tolls and continues to toll, and they end up heading outside. And Old Stickfingers is announced to be inside of the walls of the town. Um, (laughs) Patrick. quickly realizes that his unsummoning trick didn't work it turns out you can't just like pour a little bit of blood and smush it with your boot um and he possibly did set it free so that it could come into the town instead of staying in the woods um all the townspeople, um all of the townsfolks people uh, are told to keep their eyes up and to watch each other's backs literally because he is uh cryptid and will pop up (laughs) behind you. Uh, He doesn't, he doesn't exactly come to you head on. He is expected to go behind you. So as long as you have somebody watching your back, you should be fine. Theoretically. Um, Malin, one of the crones um, who had summoned Vadric in the first place, explains that old stick fingers was a hearth spirit and was meant to protect. Um, Vadric shows Ariosa, the fur that he had collected from Dean Silvasi's house and Ariosa confirms that that is the goat that went missing the day before her father died and that they suspected that Dean had stole it. Her father's um, estate was also revealed to be much larger um, lane before they had uh, kind of lost a good bit of it. So they go to the house for, they go to Areno's house and begin to repair the trinket. And Ariosa begins the binding that she had remembered from, I believe, her grandparents um they offer the second goat as sacrifice to stick fingers when he does show up but stick fingers just kind of like shepherds it and pets it very gently um and decides to head off into the sunset with his two goat buddies (laughs) the one that was taken the day before and the one that was taken the day of um and yeah they rem and vadrik are catching up afterwards and they seem to be good friends. Rem tries to convince him to go on more adventures, but Vadric says he has to head home to his husband, but they'll surely catch up sometime. So there you go.
1: I uh, I love this story so much. Uh, I think that it is uh, creepy in a lot of ways that we cannot, like, we, you have to read the story to get a lot of the, like, fear and chill from it. Um, it's also fun, and it's got, like, a couple of, like, really fun joke moments. Uh, the tension kind of comes and goes throughout the story, which is nice. It's not like a long note of tension. There's like moments that break it. Um, I think that the implications of like who old Stickfingers is and like how he was summoned and like what caused this problem in the first place. Uh, very interesting. Um, also find it really interesting that uh, it's sort of like a, a meta quote on the enclosure movement of uh, of feudal England that led to the creation of capitalism. Uh, and how evil that is but you know that's a different conversation for another time (laughs) if you want to read like a historical materialist look at the story um other cool things i liked about the story is that uh margaret killjoy does exactly what i think you should do in a fantasy story even if you already have an established setting she just goes through it and goes you know what yeah i know how like there's a church that runs everything and we've been shown like there's like mayors of towns and all this what if what if it was just a commune and (laughs) It was ran by uh mothers and crones and uh they were incredibly cool people and all this like she comes out the gate and she's like you know what vadrick married to a man in love with his husband dedicated to him love that (laughs) and then we get to the crones it's like oh here's a whole board of women and they're you know helping run this town it's like yes and the second one in charge is a trans woman canonically trans character in the story and she uses mobility aids. Congratulations. Here's a really cool character who's really cool throughout the whole story and also gives us another character in magic story that is not just like a cis able-bodied white dude. So given us, given us some cool characters. Um, yeah, I love the story. I love the way it like played out. I love the character of stick fingers. Uh, and then there's the notion of the two beds, which confused a lot of people. It confused me. And I think I figured it out.
0: You think you figured it out? I'm ready.
1: All right. So we know when, um, uh, Ariosa is doing her little like, uh, rhyme at the end to summon stick fingers. Right. Uh, she says, um, uh, old stick fingers of the elders take this goat in lieu of me. Right. And so he takes the goat. Um, and then, uh, later on when the kids in the street at the end are singing a song about stick fingers, uh, They say, old Dame Hilgen lost her children where they've been, where have they been, where have they been? Old stick buddy in the muddy, dragged them in, where's their skin? I think what happened, Ariosa's father summoned Stickfingers to protect the home and offered Stickfingers the goat in lieu of him. But then Dean stole the goat. So Stickfingers, looking for a body to inhabit, took his body. I think Ariosa has been sharing a bedroom with Stickfingers. Hmm. that's why the light was in there before it was out because they saw the light as they were walking towards that yeah. little clearing that was her house and i feel like Stickfingers was laying in bed he'd gone to bed and they woke him up i think
0: that has to be it yeah then
1: yeah that's what i'm thinking is that he has taken the body of her father and now she has to share a house with Stickfingers. and i want to
0: watch that show <laughs> i am i am abysmally bad at mystery stories and figuring out every single loose thread on things. Um, I had chalked it up to, I'm sure it's either deeper than this, but it has to be some kind of chore related thing. Cause they did say he likes kids who do their chores. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm making your beds a chore. Like kind of, you should do that if you don't want old stick fingers to get you. It does also mention that she, um, the
1: beds are made. Uh, but also, uh, she was protected. She was never hurt by Stick Fingers, which supports my claim that Stick Fingers took her father's body, and also supports your claim that Stick Fingers does not hurt people who do their chores. There so, you go. Uh, everyone listening to this right now, go do your laundry and do those dishes that you left in there after dinner and uh, clean up, or else Stick Fingers is right behind you. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh... Uh... Any other so we were talking a little bit before the podcast started. I just want to throw this out there. Um, these episodes feel very long. Uh yeah. and we've had some people talk about that. Like they don't feel like you can read them in like a
0: short lunch break. Um
1: Yeah, that's I know what I was I
0: saying. It, I I can maybe take on a story per half hour. And like, I don't know, that's what we were discussing is it's a tear between the old kind of magic story that came about with New Era, where people, I know I especially did, like, I just love to read them on my lunch, because they were generally, like, 20, 25-minute-ish reads. Save some of the longer episodes from Kaladesh or Amonkhet or kind of even into Ixalan block. But it's also just, like, I don't know. You can't always be in that introductory period. And I don't know if Magic's in that introductory period anymore. It is, like web fiction has been around for a while, even going back to like cons of Tarkir, if you want to talk about mainline main story, web fiction that was telling the set story itself and like people just being able to absorb that in shorter amount of times seemed good, but also like magic stories started catching on and gaining more fans. So they kind of had the freedom to tell longer form stories and, I don't know, just explore things in more depth. Like I think of Chris Latois' stories from Kaladesh and like each of them was was a massive read well beyond um, anybody's half hour lunch. And I mean, they did a whole bunch of development in that time and you always felt good finishing them. But at the same time, like now we're kind of in a, I don't know if we're in a rebuilding phase. Like I genuinely don't know the gauge of the audience size anymore or how many people are reading magic story and not necessarily just like in the general spheres that we interact with. So like, does magic story need to be shorter? Does it need to stay at this length? Should it be longer? Should it be novellas instead of web fiction? It's all stuff that's kind of like, you know, up in the air. And I feel like they're figuring out their solutions with it. And like, this also gives them a very good testing ground for figuring out those metrics. Like, you're releasing five stories, 10 stories per set, five mainline fiction and five said stories. Like you can see exactly which ones are catching people's attention and not just like the finale story of the set every single time getting all the views just so that people can catch up on whatever the main ending is. So I don't know. I'm a lot more open to this stuff as than I it than I have been in the past because it's just more interesting to see how exactly they rebuild and like knowing that they have more serious projects in the work um, being the Netflix series that seems to actually be happening now, sans the Russo brothers. Like they obviously want to get their fiction into shape. And I'm just interested in like what exactly their approach will be from this point forward if they're going to stick to five to 10 stories per set. Um, or the five-five split, or um, just general length. Like I don't know. I enjoy reading this stuff on my lunch, but also this podcast necessitates that I read it in proximity to when we're recording the episode, so it's kind of easier to do it um, after the end of the day and before the podcast.
1: Yeah, I think um, just my my general thought on like the the length of a of an episode of the web fiction is that I think that they are all the length that they need to be for that story and they, they read very well and they're very good. But overall it is like a little lengthy of a story to read in a short period of time, um, which is like saying like the, the authors are, are hitting their assignments out of the park. And the question is, is this the right assignment? Um, I think it's good. I, I won't be honest and say, I like the novellas as a way of distributing story a lot I really enjoyed um, the Acoria and Eldraine novellas uh, quite a bit. Um, I'm sure I would have enjoyed the Theros Beyond Death novella if we had one. Um, <laughs> that's the the meme from Very Odd Parents. Uh, but I um yeah I think that the length is they are definitely longer. And whenever I start reading one, sometimes I'm like, oh wow, I have a lot more to go, and I wasn't expecting that much. Um, but at the same time, it's like it all is good. So like I'm not sad yeah. to be reading it, but it's just like yeah, I do have like these memories of just reading a whole story during my lunch break. And now I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. But it might be because I'm always trying to read two stories a week
0: rather than just like the one. I don't want to say we're getting old and out of touch and not just <laughs> reading as fast as we used to. It's just like it's it's very hard to approach these issues without sounding like it, w- it was better in my day because I could, it was, a, it was my allotted enough. 30 minute lunch when life was simpler. Um, it's just like. I don't know because it's such a push and pull of like how much story they want to tell versus how much episodes they're allotted versus Mm -hmm. like how many side stories they want to tell and what exactly they want to do in those side stories. And if those side stories are going to weave into the main story, it's like, it still very much feels like they have not found a rhythm for it, but they're like, getting on the right track and enough people are paying attention to it to where they can like figure out what the fixed rhythm is. And like, I don't know. I think, I think Jay put it perfectly. Um We were discussing my article from last year Um and he described like the new era as kind of whitening in a bottle and you cannot catch it twice. And uh I don't know. I wish wizards could catch it twice because I feel like, this story has deserved it Um, and maybe I'll feel differently when we're not in a two set block that's not actually a two set block but it feels like such a like classic setup in the sense of this felt like what it felt like to read story in 2016 when Shadows of Renestrad came out where it's like you had your main story and you had your side story and you get x number of episodes of this I don't know, it's just difficult to say. And like, yeah, I'm not at all a fan of novellas, but at the same time, like when you're kind of out of all, all options, we will clearly take whatever options are available to us. so yeah, and we can
1: we can have a discussion. I think um we really should have this year, I don't know if we had one last year of like a state of the story, uh, where we like discussed magic story on a broad view.
0: Um, yeah, I really hope we get time to do that because I have some thoughts. I feel, yeah, and it's just, like, so massively warped around the product release schedule that it's, like, impossible for us to talk about how a story is released without talking about how product is, re- is released and, like, just how frequently that happens. And it's just, like, it's roping you into multiple um things that you have to be somewhat proficient and knowledgeable in, in order to kind of approach this stuff. And like, I think this is genuinely a very good fit. I just like, I yearn for two set blocks. That is what I will say.
1: (laughs) Um, And just to like, be clear, the reason we're having discussion about the length of the story is because we have felt that they were longer than we were used to, but also we've had people talking in our discord about it and saying, Hey, uh, The stories feel long and I can't always read an episode, you know, in a, in a day. And because of that, I'm lagging behind and it's like, we don't want that to happen, but also like, is there a way to fix that?
0: Or are we all just old and out of touch? And does (laughs) it feel that way specifically because there's two stories releasing in a week? (laughs) Like, Like you said, it's just like, that's, that's a lot of story and like people are used to weekly releases. So people get used to the rhythm. Uh, all right. Do we have final thoughts? uh
1: you go ahead and go first (laughs) (laughs) uh i don't really have much of a final thought though um vice 8 rack released a new video as of today that we're recording about uh the game humankind and the sort of civ style games uh that are apparently called 4x games i've never played them um never played a single civ game but i really enjoyed the video uh so i recommend that has nothing to do with magic. Uh, magic is not at all in consideration, but it is a good video talking about games and, uh, the historical materialism. Um, <laughs> I have a, I have a theme, I guess. Um, so yeah, go give that a watch. It's my recommendation.
0: My final thought is where the fuck is cough? Like, oh, he's, uh, he's uh,
1: there's a giant portrait of cough in, uh, one of the exhibits at the museum of pop culture. in seattle
0: that's where he is i found him you'll see this guy one time and then never again (laughs) it's just like i don't know i was reviewing product releases for the um that were announced and whatever the most recent announcement day was um and it's just like there's no space for this dude this dude has been afk for a decade and we are not getting a new card for him like i almost hope that there's a surprise secret layer with exclusive cards that aren't printed in regular sets just so that we can get another cost card. <laughs> like it has been forever. Um and like I don't necessarily bank on him being in Dominari United, but also like, I don't know, he got pigeonholed into being the um miran resistor. And they don't give up those pigeonholes very, very easily. So like I hope that he's in Dominaria United, and I hope Dominaria United is obviously, like, some kind of precursor to um, whatever Phyrexian event we'll have coming up as an excuse to get him in there. But also, like, I don't know. I was thinking about him because I was thinking about how cool his outfit is in the Gathering Forces comic. Yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking about how cool his outfit is because I was thinking about Lord Windgrace. All good Planeswalkers, like, I don't know. Just uh, miss the dude.
1: I... I hope that uh, Dominari United is Teferi bringing back Salfire. That's my <laughs> my my expectation. That is that has to gonna, be it, right? Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, like we've we have we have now had, like two references to that within Teferi stories in the last like set or two. It's just yeah, um, yeah. it's gonna happen. But uh, if you would like to speculate, which is something we get to do when Lorelai and Jay aren't here, because uh, neither of us are paid actors of Wizards of the Coast um, actors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you would like to speculate, we have a discord channel, uh, which you can access by giving, uh, $1 a month to our Patreon. That's it. Just $1 a month. You get access to our discord server. Lots of cool people. Uh, Vorthoses from around the world discussing, uh, magic midnight hunt stories and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, so definitely, uh, go to, uh, patreon.com slash the cast and throw a dollar at us and you get access, uh. You throw $3 at us a month and we give you access to our live listen, which we are doing right this second. There are live listeners who are hearing us talk and make mistakes and banter about the length of stories and things like that. Uh, So uh, if you want to join them, that's just $3 a month at our Patreon. Uh, We'd really appreciate it. Uh, Otherwise, um, you can follow us at twitter.com slash thevorthoscast. Uh, that's, uh, That's, I think, the end of it. I don't know how to wrap these up.
0: We had a problem with it last week, too. This is we- this is what we get without Jay here. This has been the Vorthos cast.